Not everything we write will end up becoming a final product. Not every song that we start will end up being a fully realized, finished, and even possibly released song. In fact, some songs we're going to give up on in the middle. Some songs we'll give up on early on. Some songs, as we start to write them, we won't even consider them really songs because they never really even get the chance to become a song before they're already struck down because we're like, this is not a great idea. I don't even want to write off of this idea. Maybe it's a terrible guitar riff or just something that we don't really like. That happens. But, but it is important to not give up on a song too soon or to give up on too much of the song. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Vidala. Honored that you would take some time out of your day today to talk about songwriting with me. It certainly uh, is something that I I realize that we all have to make some choices, and there's only so many podcasts or YouTube videos that you can choose uh, to watch or listen to. And I appreciate the fact that you are willing to spend some of the finite amount of time you have to listen to podcasts, listening to this one. So thank you. We're talking about what we should do before we give up on a song. And ultimately, in order to give up on a song, we need to start a song. Right. So if you haven't already, be sure to check out my free guide on the 10 different ways to start writing a song. Of course, there's more than 10, but uh, this guy dives pretty deeply into 10 different ideas because ultimately sometimes our creativity will run dry if we keep going to the same tools and the same methodologies over and over again. If you just keep grabbing a guitar and doing an acoustic chord progression, eventually your songs will either sound the same or you'll just start to be less inspired. And sometimes just doing subtle things like, I don't know, writing a bass line first or the melody first or starting with the, on the lyrical side of things uh, can, can help push you back into feeling inspired. So if you're interested, be sure to check that out, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. And you may have noticed that in the intro, I worded something a little interestingly uh, at the tail end of it where I talked about giving up on, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but basically a part of a song too soon. And that really connects to the first point here. Again, we're talking about things to try before we give up on a song. And one of those things is looking at the music as a series of sections and parts. Now, ultimately a song ends up becoming something that largely should be seen as a single whole. And certainly people break it up in their minds, right? Some people will be like, man, I wish the verses of that song were better, but the melody is great. Or sorry, the chorus is great, right? And usually people don't even go so far as to be like, man, the harmony sucks, but the melody is great. <laughs> most people don't even dive that deep, right? And most people are at the level of like, good song, bad song. And of course, that usually is what they really mean is song I like or song I don't like and don't recognize that those should be two separate discussions. But that entire soapbox aside, ultimately, we as creators of songs, it's important for us to see a song at all the different levels. 
and to not simply see our song as a single whole. So, for example, maybe you have a really cool guitar riff, but the chorus is super cringe, and it turns you off from the song. Maybe the melody's not very good. Maybe you started writing lyrics and they're garbage. Infinite number of reasons that maybe the chorus that goes along with this song that has a cool guitar riff is junk. Who said that we can't throw the chorus away and write a new one? Who says we can't rip out all the parts of our songs that are good and utilize them in writing a different song? Who says that we can't write a new chorus for our verses while possibly writing new verses for our chorus? <laughs> this is something that we can do in the case where both of both your verses and chorus is actually quite good, they just don't fit together particularly well. But they're both pretty good on their own. And the verses with a different chorus would shine. And then that chorus with different verses would shine. And it's just that they don't work together. But ultimately, it would be easy to write it off as, oh, this song isn't good or it doesn't work. Maybe. But it also might be the case that you have good parts. They're just not pieced together correctly, right? It's kind of like a relationship where, you know, j just because a relationship doesn't work out doesn't necessarily mean that, th that one or more of the people suck, right? Like you, you can have a relationship with somebody, it not work out, and ultimately it just end up being that it wasn't a great fit. And th this can be true with a job too, right? Where, you know, maybe you, you lose your job or you leave your job, essentially you're firing your job. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, either there's something wrong with you or there's something wrong with the job. It might just be the case that it wasn't a good culture fit for you or an infinite number of reasons, right? And our songs can be the exact same way. You may find that your verse and chorus is good, right? But ultimately, uh, the song as a whole as it's developing feels like it's not very good. And really, all you really need is to add a pre-chorus in between the verse and the chorus because it's the transition between the two that's not very good. Maybe you have a great melody, but ultimately the chord progression, the harmony underneath it is lackluster or totally uninteresting. And it ends up sort of dragging the melody down and doesn't allow it to shine in the way that it otherwise should. So it's easy Especially because, you know, we all start as consumers, right? We talked about consuming a little bit last in last week's episode, but we all start that way, right? Every single one of us listened to songs way before we started writing songs, right? If I were to guess, literally every person who's listening to this podcast listened to music for at least 10 years before ever writing a song. Right? That's literally just, just assuming that you started songwriting at 10 years old. Some of you are like, man, I started at 50. Right? You have 50 years of consuming music and listening to music as a consumer of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, some, sometimes I'm kind of jealous of people that, that aren't listening to all the nooks and crannies and, and noticing stuff that maybe bothers them about the song. Or that, you know, they notice that that lyric is worded really wonky and you're like, oh, I see what you did there. You just did this weird thing just to get it to rhyme. But really, that's not what you really want to say. You know, notice all kinds of stuff and it ruins songs for you. And it's sad, right? <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes you almost wish you could go back. And some people are better at that than others. But that's not the point here. 
the point is we all started viewing music as something from the lens of a consumer, not a producer, which ultimately usually results in us looking at it as a single atomic unit. So an atomic unit, if it, I, I assume you know, but let, let, let's we'll say it anyway. Um, you know, some something atomic is something that can't be broken into smaller parts, right? It's the smallest discernible part. That's what that means, right? So we, as consumers, often you'll see a song as sort of an atomic piece, right? You don't necessarily you don't necessarily think of it as oh that verse could have been paired with a different chorus, right? Like no, the the song that was copyrighted that I listened to the track, I have to take the verses with it, including the melody, the harmony the chord progression, the, you know, all the, all the different riffs, uh, the, the chorus, the bridge, all of it is one single unit. But as writers, again, we, we not only don't have to see it that way, ultimately it can be destructive to simply see it that way. Now, I think it's important to see it both ways because there can be value in just like a team is not simply a sum of its parts. I believe that is also true for a song. And, you know, so ultimately it's not necessarily have the best possible guitar riff and the best possible chord progression, and the best possible melody and the best possible lyrics and just throw them all together. And that would make the best possible song, right? No, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes, for example, it, the right choice for your song in order for it to shine is to have a really simple piano part. That's just block chords instead of some fancy riff. Sometimes that is the right choice for the song. And writing some fancy riff that on its own would be considered maybe a quote-unquote better piano part might not actually be better for the song. So it's important to see it the way we've always seen music, as sort of this, uh, the song as a single atomic piece. But it's also important for us to dive in a little deeper and really ask ourselves, okay, is this song that we've started to write or maybe even finished writing or close to finished writing, is it really broken or is it simply that there are broken parts or sort of on the other side, right? Maybe most of it is broken. Most of it is terrible, but there might be one part that's actually pretty good, right? Maybe everything's trash except the melody in your chorus. So then you take that melody in the chorus and maybe it becomes maybe it becomes a verse for another song and you reharmonize it, use different chord progression. There are so many different ways. I mean, literally we could talk for like an infinite amount of time on all the different ways that you can sort of rip a song apart. But but lar largely think, you know, melody, chord progression slash harmony. Really, it's the same thing. It's just sort of like a different way of looking at the same thing. Um but so chord progression slash harmony, melody, lyrics, and then also by part or sorry, by song section, right? So verse, intro, pre-chorus, chorus, post-chorus, post and then even past that, right? Even individual instrument parts, especially the prominent ones, right? If you have some string parts thrown in the back of the mix or something, yeah, maybe that's not something to rip out and build a song off of. Uh, but, you know, if you have a, a prominent guitar riff or a, a piano hook or a bass line, those, those are sort of the things to look to, to, to really try to take everything else away and say, okay, but is this good? Is this worth rebuilding a new song off of or ripping it out and adding it to another song that I've started, whatever it might be. 
you know, a show can have great characters with terrible CGI or a great story with kind of meh characters or a great story with terrible dialogue like the prequels in Star Wars. Uh, love you, George Lucas, but man, the dialogue is a little rough, but great story underneath. Point being, don't throw, really, I guess this this amounts to don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? That's it's kind of what this is saying. So make sure before you give up on a song, you look at the music simply as a series of sections and parts and different things that you can take out. You're not simply looking at it as a car that's half built and is a piece of junk. Instead, you're looking under the hood and saying, oh, well, the engine is good. Or, well, I have these tires are actually brand new Michelin tires, etc. There's a car analogy. I know. It's different for me. <laughs> Second one. And this is pretty connected to the first one. But specifically, we, we talked about the music side of things, right? But also, we need to reconsider the lyrics. Maybe the lyrics just don't fit the music, right? Just because the lyrics don't work in the song doesn't mean that the lyrics are garbage. It might be, or, or even just not good, right? It might be that it just doesn't fit with the music. Maybe the lyrics are simply in need of some heavy editing, Right? Maybe it's not that the story and the general idea of the lyrics is broken. It's the fact that you haven't gone deep enough in the six-step lyric writing checklist and you haven't done certain steps like, for instance, you know, iterative lyric editing where you are literally looking at every section, trying to figure out what's the weakest section, how do I improve it as a section, and then going by line and saying, okay, how do I... How do, I, how do I change this line to be more effective? And then going by the word, right? You're literally putting into like thesaurus.com the word love that you have there. And you're looking at all these other alternative words and you're like, oh, I don't really mean love. I mean adore. I mean whatever else it might be. So it might just be that your lyrics need heavy editing, right? I, I, think, I think sometimes what causes an issue is the fact that Writing is sort of a, a, a both a generic term for a whole large process and then also a more specific term. It's like recording, right? If I, if I tell somebody that, like, yeah, I, I record music, technically, when I say that, recording usually means something like, you know, the, the whole process of recording. But also recording is a very specific step, right? It's me, me talking to this mic right now is recording. But really, when I say I'm recording a song, I'm not just doing this, right? You don't just play a guitar into a mic and call it a day. No, then you edit it, you arrange it, you mix it, you master it, right? There's all these, and those are not trivial things either. Each of those steps has quite a bit of moving parts and are very important. And, but yet recording kind of means both. Right, So it's easy for somebody to think, oh, recording, you just like throw a mic up and record a guitar and boom, there's a song, right? Like, no, 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 there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, unless you want it to sound not very good. Then I, I guess you technically could do that. And in the same way, I think writing is one of those words, right? If I say I'm going to write a book or I'm going to write a song, right? Writing means two things. One, it means one part of the overarching writing process. 
right? So it's, it's usually that sort of like first draft, the sort of that beginning part, right? When I write lyrics, it's, it's me sort of typing away, sort of improvising words, but also there's editing involved, right? And a book is a, maybe a better analogy here to, to really crystallize it. But, you know, your author, your favorite author doesn't just sit and type out a story and that's done, right? No, they go through rounds and rounds of editing. And a part of quote unquote writing the book is them outlining the book and doing some character studies and deep diving into characters. And maybe depending on the, you know, the, the world that it takes place in, maybe it's a fictional universe they created. So they have to develop like rules and stuff and world building before they can write the story. Or maybe it's something, you know, it's in 18th century India or something. So they need to research, well, what was 18th century India like? Because you know, otherwise, good luck writing about it and it feeling real, right? It's not going to feel real if they, they don't know what 18th century India was like. So really, it's not just writing, but also writing is a cover all term. And I think sometimes lyrics suffer from that same thing, right? There's so many steps in writing. It's not just sitting and improvising poetry off the top of your head. Uh, in, fa in fact, I highly encourage uh, largely against doing that. The, eventually, you kind of have to do that as a step, uh, but I think there are steps before that, and there are certainly steps after that, uh, which if you're interested in that, songwritetheory.com slash lyric checklist. But, you know, other things to look at is uh, one of the <laughs> one of the things that comes up a lot. Verses that essentially just repeat themselves, right? So the reason second verse hell is a thing is because uh, basically it's just hard to write a second verse because you're constrained by it has to fit the same melody and the same general rhythm. And, you know, therefore the emphases need to be in the same places with the lyrics. So there's a lot of limits on how your lyrics must be constructed. And yet you have to say something new. And that's why writing any verse besides whatever the first one you write is, is difficult. And because of that, sometimes we repeat ourselves too much in verses and end up have, saying the same thing in a different way or not different enough of a way. And so that might be the problem, right? Maybe we pick the wrong point of view. I think we had a whole series where we talked just about point of views like a year and a half ago. <laughs> I almost forgot about that. But, um, you know, it, literally, maybe the song just doesn't work because you're talking about the, you know, you're singing the song in first person when really the song would best benefit from being in third person instead. Or maybe you zoned into the wrong part of the story. Maybe you didn't zone, maybe you didn't zoom in enough, or maybe you're not zoomed out enough. If you deem it necessary, overall, don't be afraid to try and start from scratch with the lyrics. Okay. Another thing, maybe the easiest thing, but ultimately you might be surprised how big a difference it makes. And that's simply changing keys and or octaves. Sometimes a song just doesn't work because it's not in an ideal part of your vocal range and the melody just sounds okay because it's in your mid-range, but that same melody would actually sound pretty good if it was in your lower range or in your high range. Or maybe it would sound good if you used falsetto or head voice, but it doesn't sound very good belted. Sometimes uh, try, trying just moving apart up or down the octave can make a big difference. For example, if you go listen to Goo Goo Dolls' Iris, uh, which is you know their, their biggest hit, 
uh, you listen to the demo, the whole song, Johnny Resnick sang, sang up the octave, which totally undermines the energy lift that happens in the chorus, right? That epic chorus that's, that's just big sounding is totally ruined by him singing the whole thing up in that stratosphere. Totally undermines the whole thing. I don't even think I would like the song. I mean, I really like the Goo Goo Dolls. They're probably easily in my top 10 bands, or at least they were, but they got kind of poppy, but whatever. <laughs> we won't get into that. Um, so I really like the Goo Goo Dolls. And, and that's one of my favorite songs by them, which is super typical, but hey, it's great. And I don't even know if I would like the song <laughs> if that was if that was the version we ended up getting. Now that's a kind of obvious example, I think, to, to the point that I was downright shocked that he would ever think it was a good idea to have bo- both the verse and the chorus up the octave. Makes no sense to me. It seems super obvious to me that, like, of, of, of course you gotta have, you gotta have that, you know. And here's the chorus, and it explodes, and uh, so you know maybe there's a reason for that. I don't know. You would be surprised, even beyond up or down an octave, how many parts will sound better or worse, worse simply based on the key they're in. It's usually not so much about the key, so much as the specific range that it's in. So, for example, if you have a piano riff in the key of G major versus D major, it's not the reason that it might sound good in G major and not sound that great in D major. Ultimately, it's the same, right? Let's just cover that for a second. Ultimately, it's the same, right? You, you can change the key of a song and the song is fundamentally the same. But every instrument and every part, everything has an ideal place. And sometimes, just it being a little higher or a little lower just sounds better. Sometimes even significantly so. Maybe a a more obvious place to take this is, especially if you're a pianist, right? If you've ever tried to do a simple triad, right? C major chord. Too low, right? Too far to the left on a piano. It sounds muddy and disgusting, right? It sounds terrible. Because in the lower range, you can't have notes as close as you can in the higher range. You just can't. It just doesn't sound as good. It gets really muddy. It, it It's just not good. But if you play, but you can actually play notes closer together, several octaves above that, and it will sound perfectly fine. Now, that was, that's kind of an extreme just to sort of make the point that like, hey, it does make a difference. But back to the G major versus D major, right? Just that. It's not that like, oh, the song sounds better in D major than G major. It's not really that so much as in order for you to play the same riff in G major versus D major, right? You're transposing it in a way that it's going to be, you know, if you're going from G major to D major, it's either going to be that you're playing it, you know, five notes above, right? Everything is is five above, a fifth above, I should say, because you're going up five up a fifth, a perfect fifth specifically, uh, from G to D, or or you're actually going down a perfect fourth, right? And it might be that the piano riff sounds great down that perfect fourth. It's just right in that perfect range where it's not too muddy, but it's also not too tinny and high and ethereal and light sounding, and it's just right. 
And with G major, you couldn't have gotten there because you either would have, because, you know, D is right in between G and the next G, right? Not right in between, but almost right in between, right? So just that little difference of the fifth or the fourth can make a huge difference in a song shining or not. Now, usually this is going to be more about vocal range, just to be clear. And ultimately, this is usually more a, if you're if it feels like, oh, my song is garbage, right? This is terrible. Probably changing keys and octaves is not going to redeem that. But if it feels underwhelming, right? if it's just kind of one of those where like you're trying to do a five song EP this year, and right now it's your sixth, it's trending towards that sixth best song. So it's just barely going to not make the cut. And you expect to write another five or six or 10 songs next year, and then it will go down to your eighth best song, so it won't make the cut. And then your expectation is you write another 10 great songs the year after, and now it'll be your 12th best song, right? So it's just never going to make the cut. So you're like, yeah, maybe I should give up on it. If it's in that realm, this might be something worth trying. Certainly, it takes almost no time, so it's, it's worth trying regardless because it's so simple. And... The last one is maybe the most, well, maybe it's not the most obvious, but it might be the most important. And that's simply to set it aside and come back to it later. Sometimes you just need to come back to something with fresh ears or eyes or whatever it might be. For music, ears. Because sometimes if you're working so long on a song or really hard on a song, sometimes you almost learn to hate it. Maybe hate might be the wrong word, but sometimes you just resent it, right? It's giving you so much trouble. You know just how difficult it was to get those bridge lyrics right, and now you're just kind of mad at it, right? You think this song did something to you. It smacked your ego across the face one too many times. And sometimes it's easy to kind of lose perspective. And, you know, you're just working on it too much, and you don't, you don't even realize how good it is anymore because you've just totally lost perspective because you're all in the weeds constantly and you never, you can't hear it the same way when you create something versus when you're just consuming something. And some, something my dad says a lot, which I've I found to be true. I'm not a very handy person, uh, but I've done enough things to know this to be true. He talks about Sometimes the worst part of doing work on like your house yourself, right? So maybe flooring your house or adding some some trim or uh you know re repainting the walls. Repainting the walls is probably a really good example. Um is when you do it yourself, you notice all the tiny flaws. Right? Because that one part of the ceiling where you got a little bit of the wall paint on it, right? So the ceiling is usually like a white or off-white, right? So maybe you have a blue wall. You get a little bit of paint just in the corner on that white ceiling. Now, because you did that, you know it's there. And it might bother you. But every single other person who ever walks into that house, there will probably be one person ever that notices that. And probably not even that. But you know it's there. In fact, every time somebody looks at that wall and says, wow, you did a great job painting. This is a great color. Your mind, probably, is going to go to, yeah, but there's that one spot. 
And because of that one spot, you're going to see the whole paint job as not as good as it should be. Or maybe you know that like, well, you can kind of see the like previously, I don't know, gray paint underneath one section because we put one coat too few on this one wall. So you can kind of, it just looks a little different, right? It's a little off. Or maybe you know that you underestimated the amount of paint. I'm really going hard at, the, at this paint thing, aren't I? Um, so maybe you got like two buckets of paint. Turns out you needed three. And they say never to do that, right? Because the color when they mix the colors, it's never going to be quite exactly the same. So because you know psychologically, you know, you saw how the sausage was made, if you will, and you know that, you're going to notice that slight difference in color. In fact, maybe you don't even notice the slight difference in color, but in your head, you, you're convinced that you can see it because you know psychologically it might be there. So you've convinced yourself it looks different, even though it doesn't. So this, I don't know about you, but this is very true for me. And I think this is true for all of us to some extent, right? Maybe you don't sweat yourself over that little tiny mark on the city, right? Maybe we went too far with some of these things. But ultimately, we tend to get way overcritical and sometimes feel some undeserved contempt for our own music because we've seen how the sausage was made. We know how long something took to get right. We we are aware of the fact that there's that one line where there's just this one word we're not super satisfied with. Everybody else listens to it and says, that's a great line. What are you talking about? But you're like, yeah, but it's not precisely what I wanted to say. This, I, I feel like there's a better word for it, but I could never figure out what it was. And ultimately, I had to let it go. We know that stuff. And we can let that cloud our judgment in the same way that painting your own walls and stuff allows you, you, you know those tiny faults that nobody would notice and you yourself wouldn't notice if you just paid somebody else to do it. So sometimes a way to help get past this or deal with this is to just set it aside. Set the song aside so that you can come back to it with more fresh ears and come at it with a better perspective, not so in the weeds. And this, this happens to me a lot. There's, I mean, sometimes... I'll just get so deep into a song and I'll just learn to re resent it. I mean, frankly, the EP I keep talking about that I'm just vocals away and finally my nose is like clearing up so I think I can actually finish the vocals. But anyway, um, I, like psychologically, I, I, I'm like halfway or more through writing and recording the next EP or technically the next two EPs in, in a sense. But but anyway, so now those those are the new shiny toys, right? So I... Sometimes I actually forget, oh man, I really love the music that's in this EP that I haven't quite released yet. It's easy to forget that because it's no longer the new shiny toy and I already put all the blood, sweat, and tears into it to the point that I'm almost over it. Because sometimes you can get over your own stuff. Even if, again, whenever I listen back, I'm like, oh dude, like how are you not like every day excited to like, oh, let's finish this. This is so good. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you just, it just happens, right? We notice all the little things, you know, we can fall out of love with our song just because we beat it to death, you know, because, you know, we worked on it. We wrote it every day for six months, a year, right? Whatever it might be. And you can just get sick of it and lose perspective on how much when you just listen to it and appreciate it for what it is. You're like, wow, that's a really good song. 
huh, I actually like forgot because I was too in the weeds with like getting that guitar part exactly right or editing out that one place where like I hit the guitar string a little a little wrong and it doesn't sound great. So I had to, you know, clip in an, another take so that and comp it all together and so nobody would notice, but I noticed, right? <laughs> so all that stuff. Set aside for a few days, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months. And then come back to it with fresh ears. Because maybe tonight you write something and you're like, that's garbage. But tomorrow morning you wake up and you might be like, wow, why did I think that was garbage? That's actually really good. I must be really tired. Or maybe you've worked on your song for so long you think it's not that great anymore and you want to sort of just move on. Uh, but then if you come back a month from now, you might be like, dude, this is this is great. Like, what? why did I give up on this? So if you're at that point, give it the chance. Let the song breathe on its own. And just as a PS here, I'd encourage you to never fully give up on a song. You can put a song on the back burner. You can even put a song in that dusty attic that you won't even go into until the day you move into your next house. And then you're like, oh yeah, I guess I should check the attic before we move because otherwise whatever's in there, I will never see again, which of course would be a horrible thing given that I didn't care about any of that stuff enough to look at it or even remember it was there for the last 10 years I was in the house, but whatever. <laughs> um, but don't truly throw anything away. Because really, just frankly, there's no reason to now, right? I mean, you can get a like 10 terabyte hard drive for like 200 bucks. It won't be solid state, but you know. So you can save all, all of the music files, just all of them, right? You can record three, four, five different song ideas into your computer every night for like ever and never run out of room if you just get like one of those. So there's never really a reason to fully give up on a song. Maybe just farther on the back burner or farther in that dusty attic. But ultimately, don't fully give up on it. And once in a while, a good exercise to do is to go through some old stuff that maybe by today's standards, you think, oh, this is all garbage, right? Because maybe... You've been listening to this podcast for, for the last year or something, or two years, or three years, are we at? Whatever, for a while. And you, you know, you look back at how where you were before you started taking songwriting seriously enough to listen to a podcast about it. And then you're like, man, I was so bad three years ago or two years ago. And- that might be true to an extent, right? We all get better over time. Certainly, I, you know, there are regrettable things about the songs I wrote in high school. Uh, you know, there are regrettable recording choices that that we made with the album I I did with my band back in the day, uh, like tempo changes. Horrible, horrible decision. Awful. I I I think I visibly cringe when I hear them in some of those songs. Uh, and I like refuse to listen to them and even don't even have them out publicly anymore, almost <laughs> entirely because of that. Um, and then, you know, just some of the lyrics, right, are like, oof, a high schooler wrote this, right? Like, it's, it's a little corny. Um, so that happens. But you know what? Sometimes you go back and you're like, man, this is a lot better than I thought. Or, you know, it, it might be the case, and there are certainly songs like this for me. There's, there's one song in particular that I feel like, man... 
you know, I, I don't like the way the chorus changed tempo. And maybe just the chorus needs to be reworked, but I really like the verses. And, you know, the lyrics could maybe use uh, an update, a facelift, if you will. But ultimately, there are some good parts that are worthy of revisiting and reworking into what I think can be a really great song. And so, you know, you never know when that might come up, where there are good parts. Back to our first point, right? There are good parts to something that you did early on. And maybe the song as a whole, as it was developing, wasn't particularly good. And that's a part of why you gave up on it. But now looking back with fresh ears that aren't frustrated ears, aren't ears that are, you know, they're more experienced ears, or maybe they've just changed taste, right? Maybe maybe there's a style that you sort of wrote in that you didn't like at the time, but now you're like, you know what, that's pretty cool. I don't know why I was, you know, why didn't I like that before? So once in a while, it's a good exercise to go back to some of your, you know, old ideas, whether those are just recordings on your phone, right, to track ideas, or whether you track ideas with recording software on a computer, no matter what it is, or even lyrics, right? Lyrical ideas. Once in a while, going back and doing some perusing, going through some old stuff to try to see, hey, is there something good here? Which also, by the way, is a great thing to do if you're if you're feeling stuck creatively. Feeling really stuck creatively, uh, you know, besides the 10 different ways to start writing a song, besides that, another thing to do is sometimes it will help jar your creativity by revisiting some old songs where either maybe they'll inspire you to write something new, or maybe, you know, there's a part or two that you can rip out, rework, and, you know, now that you hear it with fresh ears, uh, you'll be able to do that and have success with it. So I hope this was helpful. Again, if it was, be sure to check out my free guide, songwritingtheory.com slash free guide on the 10 different ways to start writing a song. And then this, of course, hopefully will help you with, uh, you know, th things to try before you give up on a song. Don't give up on a song too, too, too early or too easily. And, you know, sort of that last PS, right? Never fully give up on a song. Maybe never is a strong word. Almost never fully give up on a song. Uh, Backburner, attic even, maybe even stuffed in that weird corner of your basement that you honestly forget is there and has a hidden doorway or something, which, by the way, if you have that, that's dope. <laughs> let, let me know. Show me, send me a picture. It sounds cool. I've always wanted, like, one of those, you know, like the bookshelf hidden door type thing like that seems so cool to me the idea that like nobody but you and you know your spouse or somebody like know that there's this extra room in the house like that just sounds so cool to me uh but anyway before this goes off the rails thank you for listening i appreciate every single one of you if you haven't already and you find this this uh podcast helpful something you can do to help me out is simply leaving a kind review, preferably five stars, if you feel it deserves it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, if they allow you to leave reviews. I know not all podcasting services allow reviews, but that's a great way that you can help me out. I do appreciate all of you who have already done that. I appreciate those of you who are even considering doing that. And even if you don't consider doing that, I appreciate you just for listening. And ultimately... As long as you are becoming a better songwriter and caring enough about the craft to listen to this podcast, you know what? You are good with me. So I appreciate all of you. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you in the next one.